us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is true and it will work every time we apply it. So, Father, I thank you for uh, the anointing and giving me utterance. Father, we just all set our faith in agreement together today to hear from you. We have our expectors out. We're sharp hearers. We're not dull of hearing. Father, and I thank you for that the oracles of God. There won't be anything that I think. We don't care what a man's opinion is. We want to know what you think and, and what your opinion is. And we want to just adopt that as our own and go with that. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We kind of segued into this last week. We're on still back to basics. We went from worship. We kind of got in the middle of faith last week. Kind of just jump right into it. So faith is pretty basic, right? Amen. It should be. It's one of the first principles that's listed in Hebrews 6. It's one of the first principles of faith. And uh, so let's just uh, look at faith for a couple of weeks. Is that all right? Yeah. I mean, we all said, well, I already know that. Well, how, how's that working out for you? <laughs> you? You know what I'm saying? Well, we can know stuff, and then we can actually use it. Right? It's two different things. So but let's start off here before we even get on the slides. Remember, this is, our, this is the cycle that we, uh, we started at. Last week, it's 1 John 5, 4. Yeah, I'm still... 1 John 5, 4. We've been looking at this cycle. We started to look at it in depth a little bit last week. 1 John 5, 4 says, Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So faith is the key to us overcoming the world. Right? You can't jump in the cycle of victory. And so we know we've got to have faith to get victory. And then we saw in Romans 10:17, we looked at that in depth last week, that faith comes from hearing and hearing the rhema word, the spoken word of God to you. So uh, you can't even start at faith because you don't even have faith unless you have heard from God specifically for you. We, that's where a lot of people in the faith movement miss it. Right? We don't really hear from God ourselves we jump on with something that sounded good. Or it worked for so-and-so. God's not a respecter of person, so it'll work for me. It will once you get rhema for you. What God tells me to do won't work for you. He'll tell you a specific... He knows your personality. He knows your strengths. He knows your infirmities and your weaknesses. He knows all the stuff that you know, that, you, that he, knows, you, he knows you better than you. So... That would be ridiculous for him to give me word and then make it the same word for you because we're not the same, are we? We're not even close. So uh, look over here in uh, Hebrews 4. All right, uh, Hebrews 4 and verse 1. It says, Let us therefore fear. So I thought we weren't supposed to fear, Andrew. Well, if you've got to fear something, Paul says, Fear this. This is what you should... If you really want to worry, worry about this, that what? Lest the promise being left of us, entering into His rest, any of us would come short of it. You want to worry about something? Worry that the prom- you're not going to enter into His rest. Don't fear all the other junk. Don't fear what hell can do to you. Don't fear you know, stuff in your body. Don't fear fear that, that you would not enter into His rest, that you would come short of it. You know, come short of it doesn't mean necessarily you missed the whole thing. It just means you're on the way, and you're on the way, and you're on the way, and then all of a sudden, you just, you know, you ever seen those Bugs Bunny cartoons where they're jumping across the cliff or whatever, and they just miss fingernails all the way down the side of the Grand Canyon. You just came short of it. Didn't miss necessarily. You're grabbing and clawing, but you came short of it. He said, fear that you would come short of it. 
And then he tells us how we can avoid coming short. Verse 2, For unto us the gospel was preached, as well as unto them, those that came short. But the Word, the Logos, the written Word preached, didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You look at the next verse. He said, For we which have believed do enter into rest. So the symptom of that you're in, how do I know if I'm really believing it? Well, the symptom of that is that you're in rest. You, you ain't worried. You ain't in a panic. Right in Romans 15, 13, where's our faith test? Three-part faith test? That what? Joy. We're excited. Woo! Christmas is coming tomorrow. I know Santa ain't leaving me out. You know my kids, every Christmas Eve, they're excited because they believe that something will be under the tree. And if they believe in Santa, you can't believe in God. And then what's the next part of the faith test? Is that you're at peace, you're at rest, you ain't worried about it? I mean, they weren't worried whether Santa's coming or not. Not one time did they say, do you think Santa won't come? No, he's coming. And then what the last part is, hope, confidence. They're confident he's coming. So you know you're in faith? Here, I can tell anybody. I can locate you in about three and a half minutes of talking to you. Well, I'm believing it. I'm just believing God. I'm standing on the Word. No, because you're not excited. You ain't at rest. And you're not confident. Here's how I know you're in faith. Well, you know, I know you're having a bad situation. Nah, it doesn't matter. Well, haven't you fighting off symptoms? Nah, it don't matter. Because by Jesus' stripes, I've already been healed. Healing's on the way. Lack, it's, they can't stay there. Nah, that's how I know you're in faith. If you ain't talking like that, you ain't in faith. You might, you could say all the words you want to say and all the little faith confessions, they're lies. Because if you're not excited, you're not at rest, and you ain't confident that God's showing up, you ain't in faith. And then he said this. For I was, as he said, I've sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest. He says in some verse, uh, some translation says, during the provocation. When the children of Israel provoked me trying to go into their inheritance, he, I said, they will never go in there. Doubtless would they go in there. He said, although the works were finished tomorrow. Is that what it says? Yesterday? Last week sometime. When were the works finished? When was all these, everything, that, all, the, all the riches, all the honor and all the life, let's put it in our simple formula, when was that finished? From the foundation of the world, before he even said Adam and Eve, before he did any of that stuff, light, be, all that. Now, he made sure that you could enter into his rest. That all the riches, honor, and life belonged to you from the foundation. Even though it was sitting there waiting for them, they never did get, they fell short of it. Why? Oh, they weren't confident. They definitely weren't peaceful or at rest. And they weren't excited. Would the God that we died in Egypt? Would the God we died in, in, in this wilderness? Huh? All right, Andrew, that's great, good, we already know that. Now, how do, I go through, how do we go through this process in verse 2 where it goes from Logos being preached to Rhema, it's faith? It, is the, there's got to be, I mean, there's a, what, what do we got to do? What do I got to do? How do I get from here to there? Don't just tell me we got to go from here to there. How do I get it? We'll look over here in 2 Corinthians. I didn't mean to go here this morning, but we'll, we're just going to go anyway. 2 Corinthians 10. Paul gives us the step-by-step process of how something goes from you're hearing it, it's a thought or an idea, you're hearing this stuff, preach, riches, honor, and life, to you actually believe it and you can enter into rest. There's a step-by-step process. 
We use it every day. You do it all the time. We do it. It's natural. It's built into us. God put it in you. It's the same. It's as natural as your heart pumping blood throughout your system. Are you breathing? Do you think about breathing? Do you worry about breathing? Only if you can't get air. Other than that, you ain't worried about it. Look over here in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Now, did it say... Wait, wait, wait. wait. It said our weapons weren't carnal. Did they say that they were spiritual? Did it say that our weapons were spiritual? It said we don't war after the flesh. Did it say we war after the spirit? It didn't say that. He's going to tell you where the battlefield is right now. He said they're mighty, our weapons, they're mighty through God. Here's the battlefield, the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down of imaginations, that every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Where's the battlefield? So all these guys going around doing spiritual warfare? Now, hell's already been defeated. Jesus did that one. You're fighting a battle that's already been won. You're a little late. Woo! Give that man a medal of honor. The battle was won 2,000 years ago, and now you're just showing up to the front line going, I got him! Yeah, good, good job. A little late. The battlefield is in your mind. It's between your ears. He said here, and, and he, he, Paul, he talks backwards. He tells us the final result is a stronghold. And all, a stronghold, yeah, y'all remember uh, F Troop? All the kids are gone. I could say F Troop in here. Fort Apache? That was a stronghold. Surrounded by Indians. They're at their stronghold. But, so, that doesn't really tip me off. But when he says imaginations, and then he talks about thoughts, now I understand. Because what happened is a thought will come, you'll get an idea. Whatever the thought is. And then, if you think about it again, and it flies through there again, it'll start turning into an imagination on you. You'll start playing it out and living color in your head. Dolby surround sound, you know, all that. And it'll, you'll play this movie clip. And then you start playing it enough times, what will happen is it becomes a stronghold. What you did is that thought, you just keep thinking about it, you meditate on it, you imagine it, you start setting up, you, you build Fort Apache around that idea. This is how everybody does stuff in life. When I joined the Marine Corps, when I was a kid in high school, I saw, you know, like some movie like Boys in Company C and Full Metal Jacket or something like that, and I thought, well, that's cool. Then I started playing out the imagination, all the cool stuff. I could roll in the mud and blow stuff up, put camo on my face. Right? And I thought, man, everybody, they really, yeah, Marines, they're the best. And everybody's like, those guys are nuts. So I want to go do that one because it's the hardest one. I mean, so my thought became an imagination. Next thing you know, within about six months, I'd built Fort Apache around that. Nobody can convince me otherwise that I wasn't going into the Marine Corps. So much so I go to the recruiter's office, he ain't there. So I camp out on his front doorstep. I'm going to wait. The Navy guy's like, hey, why don't you come on over here? I'm like, no, you guys wear skirts. <laughs> He's like, all right, never mind, jarhead. You know, so I waited for my recruiter. I told him, I want to sign up for the longest contract you got, and I want to be in the infantry. Dude was like, what? He, I just made his quota for the month. Why? Because nobody, even he even convinced me. I took my little ASFAB, you know, I scored all this big high score on that. You could be, you know, an air traffic controller, avionics. I said, if I wanted to do electronics, I would have went to Lincoln Technical Institute. Not join the Marine Corps. I want to blow stuff up and roll in the mud and, and do fun stuff. Okay. I mean, because that was a stronghold. You do the same thing in your life all the time. 
Now, Paul tips us off because he says this. He said, cast down imagination. See, you shouldn't have an imagination. No, he said, which imagination did you cast down? Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So here's a good reason why you should show up on Friday nights is because we're studying the character of God. If you don't have any knowledge of who God is and what His character is, how do you know if that imagination is going against it or not? Most people, they have no clue if it's going against it or not because they imagine God's doing all kinds of stuff to them, which tells me that they have no knowledge of God. That's why he says it starts with this thought. When, you start, when I preach the logos to you, I'm giving you thoughts. Right? We put this on CD. We put it on the web so you can go home and you can turn it into an imagination by listening to it over and over and over again. Is that what faith comes from? No, what you're doing is you are making your mind imagine something over and over again until you start building forward a patch around that idea of health, of prosperity, of good relationships, whatever it is you're, you're, man, you're staking out and you're building that forward around it. Now, at that point, once you built the forward around it, now you're ready for the Holy Spirit to come in and go, yep, that's true and it becomes rhema to you, and it comes out, and then nobody can give it now to belief. Amen. Now, y'all ever seen Survivor? Everybody seen Survivor? Oh, when they don't have, you know, they're trying to make fire. This is the same principle as what you think of that, you know, they do the fire competition. Here's a thought. It's like the little flint rock with the spark. What's happening with that? Nothing. But the longer they do that, and they got this little coconut husk or whatever, they're trying to get some smoke or something going. Or they rub the thing until some smoke's going. That's what your idea and your imagination is. You just keep flicking it and you flick it. And then once you get a little bit, what do they do? They cover it up. What do they do? They're making a stronghold out of it. Start to blow on it. Until it kindles into flame. At the point where all of a sudden we got flame, that's where rhema happens. Rhema just don't fall on you. It takes you time. Now it all builds on all this stuff that we did with worship. Know the good and evil list. We've got to say, no, evil's wrong. I'm going with good. Then we worship, and we worship. We get that love relationship going, and we worship. And then you start getting these thoughts, imaginations, and you start building forward a patch around these imaginations of that the Logos is true. You, can't, you know what? If you come in here on Sunday and we go, because this is what I'm doing. I'm hitting the flint, or I'm rubbing the stick, and all that. After that, you go out there, and you don't do anything else with it until next week? What happened? You ain't getting nothing. You ain't nursing that thing. You ain't covering it. You ain't blowing it. You ain't feeding it. And then once you do get, woof, you got Raymond, guess what? You can't just walk away and let the fire expect it to go. You got to what? You got to feed the thing. You got to keep putting logs on it. You got to make sure it ain't getting wet and drowned out in the rain. You got to make sure, you know, you got to protect the flame. So you got to understand that's your life. So once you have it, you keep on with this. So you go, well, I got Raymond in that area. It, that fire will go out in about half a heartbeat on you. About the time you leave camp, spend overnight at Exile Island, and come back and it rained and your fire's out. It's gone. That's the process to go from Logos to Rhema. You know, I heard the president saying this this week. He said, you know, the terrorists only have to be right one time. We have to be right 100% of the time. We could turn that around, right? Hell only has to be right one time to get one path. You've got to be right 100% of the time on your faith. You've got to stay on it 100% of the time because all it takes is one of those arrows to get through and now damage is done. So this war on terror, you're in a war on terror. Your own, your own war on terror. I say it's a spiritual war. It's not really. It's between your ears. It's a mental war on terror because that's how the devil terrorizes you mentally. All right, come over here. I've got a slide now. Habakkuk 2. I put it on the slide because I knew we couldn't find Habakkuk. It's buried in there somewhere. Don't even worry about it. I got it up here. 
Habakkuk 2 and verse 1. Now, you, there goes Andrew in the Old Testament again. Well, isn't it amazing? These principles, watch how this principle plays out right here in the middle of the Old Testament. And some little kook guy named Habakkuk. He's not a major player, is he? Habakkuk 2 and verse 1. He said, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he'll say unto me and whatever I shall answer when I'm reproved. Alright, now see this word picture? What's he doing? Now when you stand watch, how many know, when, you, when I stood watch in the Marine Corps or with Capitol Police, my watch was usually eight hours. What are you going to do when you're there? Watch. That's why they call it stand and watch. And then he says, they put him up in the, you know, the Corporal Agarn Tower at Fort Apache. Why? So they could see if anything's coming on the horizon. He said, I'm getting up on my tower. Now, did anybody assign him to it? Yes, yeah, Sergeant York assigned him to it. Habakkuk, he didn't have Sergeant York. So Habakkuk went up there on his own and said, I'll stand watch and I'll get in the tower and I'll set in the tower and then I'm going to see what the Lord will say to me. So he did all that. He's, all, he's, he's at his stronghold. Then he got his stronghold, then he climbed up and he started setting watch inside his stronghold. Now let's see what God will tell me. There's some stuff you've got to do to get Rhema. To really make your faith work. And all we're doing here in church is me hitting a little flint rock. If you don't do anything else when you go home, you're going to be a very frustrated person. Then look. He said, I'm going to see what he, says, what he will say to me, what, I, what rhema I get. And then look. Well, is it going to be just good rhema? Or I'll just be, oh, you're so wonderful. No, he said, and then I'll know what I'm going to answer when I'm reproved. He's expecting to get a course correction in life. He ain't expecting God to give him a pat on the back. He knows his life ain't going good. Why would he get up in the tower? If everything was perfect, does he need to get any rhema from God? Does he need a course correction? No. So he's going to set himself on watch, and he ain't, he's camping out. I ain't leaving until I get rhema. And then, whenever he answers me, I'm going to say, what am I going to do? What is my course of action going to be when he corrects me? Because now, once you do get rhema, you could choose, yeah, or, no, nah, I don't think so. Not so much, God. I don't really like that. He said, and the Lord answered me. He'd been up there for a while, and here comes the Lord. And the Lord said, write the vision. Now, that word vision in the Greek, it's, or in the Hebrew, I'm sorry, it says a sight mentally. Look it up in your e-sword. It says it's the literal word for vision is a sight mentally. Something that you would see with your mind's eye. What is that? An imagination. Isn't it? If you imagine something, don't you have a sight mentally? So you'll think, oh, vision. Whoa, and angels opened up and the harps and whoa, and a big light came down. No. It's whatever his imagination. God said, the imagination, write it down. Make it plain. Put it on tables. Make a sign. So that he that runs by can read it. Oh, that's what they're doing. Oh, that's what they're doing. It means it's simple. If somebody who's running by, I, well, think of you in your car. It's like putting it up on a billboard. You want to make it plain so people that are driving by can read it. Did he say so that they'll jump on board with it? Is that what it said? That, that you'd write it on the table so that everybody can agree with it? No. Just put it out there so they can read it. And you let everybody know this is where I'm going. 
Go to the next slide. Now, every translation that I read is just so kooky and screwed up, including the King James. We'll read it, but then I want you to immediately throw it out because then I want Hebrew word for Hebrew word, and I'm going to tell you what it really says. And then you go home and you look it up because you don't take my word for it, okay? It says this, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it won't lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because surely it will come, and it will not tarry. Oh, though it tarries, don't worry, it won't tarry. What? what? Were those guys like mushrooming or something there when they were doing the translation or what? <laughs> Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Now go to the next one. All right, here we go. For the thing that you see in your mind's eye, that's the vision. The thing that you see in your mind's eye, that imagination, the thing that you see in your mind's eye, health, prosperity. If you're not seeing that, jump to get rid of it because we're going back to our thing. If, it, if it's a thought that comes and it don't line up with the knowledge of God, get rid of that one. Shoot it in the head and don't even let it become an imagination. Once, it becomes, once you get something in your mind, you'll be on it. God built us to be one-track mind individuals. You will, it's called obsession. You'll obsess over it. This is how we catch criminals. Because they obsess over what's going on in their mind. And, all they, and it's easy because then they give their self away, and we'll get to that in a minute, by what they say and what they do. Because of what they imagined. Alright, so, the thing that you see in your mind's eye, the imagination, is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it'll kindle like fire. That, that's when Ramek shows up. you got your imagination. I know it's got health, prosperity, good relations, whatever it is. You, you can see yourself at rest, having no lack, being in health, having good relationships in whatever area you want. Family, romantic, with your boss, your neighbors, all those people. He said, it will kindle like fire at the end, and it will not fail. Though you question, or you hesitate, or you be reluctant, adhere to it. It's not though it tarry, though you tarry, though you, you're reluctant, though you hesitate on this imagination, you, he, you question it. God, I don't know when is that happening. I know you said it. Yeah, I know it's here. He said adhere to it. Even though that you're questioning, you're reluctant, or you hesitate. You know what that tells me? That you still can get it if you have moments of, what's going on, God? You still get it if you'd be like, oh, I don't know, Lord Jesus. You're not refusing. You're not... If you question, you can question. It's how you question. Mary said, when the angel came and said, you'd have a baby without knowing a man, she said, how could that be? Yeah. That was a whole different story than when John the Baptist's daddy said, I'll see how that could happen. Do you see the difference? How can that be is a question. Arguing is, I don't see how that could happen. He said, so adhere to it. Stick to it like glue because it will surely come and it will not be late. Amen. Might not be on the time you want because I wanted it, you know, I'd like to have it when Adam was born or I'd be a mate or whatever. That would have been good now, God. That's not how it's set up. Why isn't it? I don't know. You can ask Him when you get to heaven. But I do know this is the process and if you want to get there, then you've got to hook up with this process. Why or why not, I don't really care. It doesn't really matter, does it? Because this is how it is. It is what it is. 
Well, why is the speeding limit like that? I don't know. Does it really matter? You get a ticket if you go over it. Behold, his mind or her mind, emotions and will. See, that's your soul. That's your mind, your emotions, and your will. You ever heard about willpower? We haven't talked about this too much when I talked about Suki or the soul, but it's your will. That's that we ever heard of. Well, you know, we have free will. It really it costs you something. Because whatever your will is, there will be a consequence to whatever choice that you will. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. He said, behold, but check this out. That's what he's saying. Check this out. Your own mind, will, and emotions, which presumes. If you presume, it is not prosperous in you. Now, what's presume mean? Well, let's just kind of break. You know, consume means to eat, right? He consumed dinner. Pre means beforehand. You'd be eating chicken raw, and then it's not prosperous in you. Do you think? He says this is what you do with your faith. What will happen is you'll get your mind and your will and your emotions will jump out in front beforehand and try to make it happen on its own. It will not prosper. The word presume means that you assume authority that you don't have. You take it upon yourself and take liberties that aren't yours to take. You ever heard somebody presume to tell you something? Have you? Have you ever presumed? See, have you ever jumped out and you took it on yourself to go do something? He says, if you do, if your mind, your emotions, and your will, you jump out in front and you presume and you take liberties on you, he said, it won't prosper. That's why I don't do anything anymore until I hear from God. I don't take it upon myself to do nothing because I know that it will not prosper. I, I had to learn that the hard way. I'm still fighting, undoing messes that I made years ago because I took it upon myself to jump out there in quote-unquote faith. Because nobody taught me this. They taught me the faith part, but they forgot to tell me about the process and they tell me about the rhema and getting from God. And I was taught, walk this out and walk that. You know what walking this out and walking that out is? It's presumption. You presume and take it upon yourself to go do God's job. Because you didn't take the time to hear from Him and find out, well, what is it that I am supposed to do? Well, I'll just walk this out in faith. Well, it ain't in faith, it's presumption now, according to this, because you took it upon yourself to just jump out there. That's how we, we, knew, we, had, we waited a long time to, before we jumped out and started this church. We didn't take it upon ourselves to do this, Kimmy and I. But at the point where we both realize that God's telling us that we can't get away from it, for me to go do something else would be to take liberties that I, I shouldn't be taking. And you know what? They wouldn't prosper. Nothing else that I did in my life, after I know I'm supposed to do this, it will not prosper. It, nothing. I mean, walking away from this won't prosper. Think about that in your life. What do you, did you jump out and took something upon yourself to do? And yeah, it's not going to prosper. If you presuming, you took liberties that you don't have, you jumped up, you went up beyond your authority, you went beyond your rhema, and because of your mind and your will and your emotions, look, those things will play some, they're powerful. They'll play some tricks on you. You'll get an emotional attachment to something, one track mind it, you build a fortress around that thing, and we're going. Giddy up, and nothing can change your mind. It won't prosper. Let's um, look in Genesis. Uh, y'all remember the Tower of Babel? 
Really, it was a whole city. It wasn't really just a tower. They never did get around to even building the tower. They left off about the time where the uh, developers were putting in the uh, infrastructure. It was over after that. Back up to verse uh, Genesis 9. This is when Noah gets off the boat, right? First one. It says, And God blessed Noah and his sons right after he worshipped. you remember that? Yeah, this is right after that. Now, now watch, because he worshipped, and now God's going to give him rhema. He said, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish just part of the earth. I said, Replenish the earth. Get out there, be fruitful, multiply, and take over this thing. Now look down at verse 7 because of time. And he tells him again, And you, be ye fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth, and multiply therein. Sick them, boys, go get them. Right? Now flip over to uh, chapter 11 and verse 1. It's a couple generations later. And the whole earth was of one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said to one another, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. And they made brick, had brick for stone and slime for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. Now I saw some kook a couple weeks ago on TV saying, Well, see, they wanted to build the tower so they could get above the floodwaters, so that if it ever flooded again, they would be above that. And then he tied it to, Give me your money. Well, let's find out why, why did they build the city and the tower. It says it in, the very ne- in that same verse, the very next phrase. If you just read a little further, whatever your name is, you could have saved me a couple thousand dollars on my credit card. They said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. Why? Let us make a name. Let us make us a name. Lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. God told you, be fruitful and multiply and get out there, the earth. Now they said, let's gather together, let's build the city, we'll come together, we'll make us a name. Forget that name of God business. We'll make us a name, lest we be scattered upon. What'd they do? They just refused Ramah. They ain't questioning, they ain't hesitating, they're not reluctant. They just out and out said, no, we ain't doing that. We're doing our thing. Do you see that? Just absolutely. What did they do? They presumed. They took liberties that weren't theirs to take. They went beyond their authority and they went exactly against what the rhema was. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. Hmm, let's see what they're doing down there. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. They have one language. And this that they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them that they have imagined to do. How I many know they weren't following God? What did God just say? He said, anything that they imagined to do, they, and then they do that little process and they put four Apache around there, they won't be restrained from it. Because they got into agreement. All these people, they're going, ah. So God said, now nah, let's, let's stop that. Verse 7, Go to, let us go down, and confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. How many know that messed up the job site? Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday, told every night, see you, Barney, night, Fred. And then you came back and, you know, and now it's Frederico and you're gay or whatever and you can't understand what either said. What? 
How many of they ain't going to get the streets bulldozed and the gutters put in and the runoff water taken care of? None of that. So, and then the Lord, they, He fixed it. And then he, So He scattered them abroad upon the face of the earth and they left off building the city. Didn't prosper because they were presuming. They went against God. How many of you know you were going to lose that fight? If you, because presumption is nothing more than pride. Now we'll do it my way. Pull myself up by my bootstraps. Oh, I can handle this. What's it say over in Peter? Humble yourself and go, God resists the what? Proud. All humble is is that you do what He... Humble is this. I hear you, and then I'll do it. Proud is, I heard you. See ya. I'm doing my thing. That's what they did. How'd that work out for them? Not too good. Look over here in Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy 18 and verse 18. It's God talking. Verse 17 says, And the Lord said unto me, He said, I will raise them up a prophet. Now, do you all know what a prophet is? It's a divinely inspired speaker. It's no more hokier than that. A divinely inspired speaker. I mean, when you, you are divinely inspired to speak, you're in operating as a prophet. Do you understand that? What a prophet does is they get Rhema, and when God tells them, go say this, then you go say that. He said, I'll raise up a prophet among the brethren like unto thee, and they and will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak unto them all that I commanded him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I'll require it of him. But the prophet, the divinely inspired speaker, which shall presume to speak a word in my name which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other Elohims, that's you. We've looked at that before over in Psalm. That you are God, you are Elohim. So you speak in my name, you presume to speak in my name, or you speak in your name or somebody else, another one of your people's name. He said, what? Even that prophet will what? Oh boy. Now, and then here's God, look in His mercy. He said, now if you do have a question in your heart, how do we know if the word which was spoken was the Lord's or not? Because when you question that, well, how are we going to know if it is? He says this, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing follows not, if it doesn't come to follows not, or it doesn't come to pass, then that thing which the Lord has is not what the Lord has spoken, but the prophet had spoken it presumptuously. And don't be afraid of him, or what it says is don't respect him. So if anybody comes telling you what you're you know what this tells me is nobody can tell you Rhema for you. If someone comes to try and tell you you're Rhema, they are presuming to be God. Because now, we're not in the Old Testament anymore. anymore. He made us all kings and priests. We all have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. He don't talk in burning bushes anymore. He talks to your spirit. His spirit to your spirit. Now, because of that, don't come ask me to be Rhema, give you your Rhema. I have tons of people every week. They come to me, with, what do you want me to do? Well, let's you know, go to God and find out what He says. Oh, I already did that. I'm not getting nothing. I can't give you Rhema for you. I will not give you Rhema for you because if I do, what happens to me? I die. You're not getting me into that trap. I love you. Let's go to God and find out what He says. I mean, no, I ain't God. I don't know what He's going to tell you. I don't know all the stuff going on in your life. 
You don't know what I'm going through. Right, so why would you ask me to tell you what God, what you, all I will do is tell you what the Word says. I filter everything through this, and that's how we do it. You have a question, well, let's see what the Word says. Run through what the Word says, the principles of the Word, and, don't, and then you go find out what Rhema is for you. Maybe we don't like that because it means we have to do some work. That means we've got to go stand watch in our tower, which is not like five minutes. Stand watch until you get Rhema, and then what am I going to answer when I do get the correction? So you got, there's a lot of work to do just to get to it, and then when you do, you've got to decide, am I going to do that or now? Most of the time, the people I've run across that are, that, you know, we've been at it, we've been at it, and no, and, I'm, and I, I tried that, but it's because you did get Rama and but, and you tell me, but I appreciate that, but my experience is that I, you know what? You decided you weren't making the course correction. Say, you can word it any way you want to word it. The fact is, you presume to say, no, nah, we're not doing it your way, God, I'll do it. It's just a, you know, well, really? Yeah. Look over in Romans 3. Well, before we now, let's go over here to Jude. That's right before Revelation, second to last book in the Bible. While you're going there, let's finish the end of this verse in Habakkuk. Verse 4, Habakkuk 2, verse 4, it says, Behold, his or her mind, emotions, or will, which presumes is not prosperous in him and her. But the just, the righteous, that's those in covenant, shall live by his or her own faith. It's because what I'm just telling you is, if it ain't happening for you, how is it that you live? By your own faith. Nobody else can get it for you. Nobody else can do it for you. If it's not working out too good for you, you might want to look back at your own faith because somewhere there's a misfire. If you're in covenant, this is how you live. You live, you die, you live or die by your own faith. Now go to Jude. It's only one chapter in verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence or speed and earnestness to write unto you of the common salvation... Just stop right there. Common salvation. Remember what salvation is? Physically rescued. I've been all over the planet, third world countries, different you know, cultures, languages. I found out people all over, no matter whether they're in America, Honduras, Philippines, Asia, they all want three things. Common salvation. They want to be healthy. They want their life to be better than it is. Financially. Lifestyle. And they all want Good relationships. They want their kids to do well. They want to have a good relationship with their kids. They want to have a good, strong family unit. No matter what culture. Common salvation. This ain't an American gospel. You get rescued no matter where you are, who you are on the planet. If you're a human being, you need a common rescue. And it's usually health. This is what it is. It's health, riches, honor, and life. It's health, finances, and relationships. No matter where you are on what, planet, uh, what part of the planet. doesn't matter if you're in, you know... Third world country, you're in the jungle, you're in a tribal society, you're in a commune, you're, you're communist, whatever. He said, I'm writing to you about this common salvation. He said, it was needful for me to write it unto you and to exhort you or encourage you, and then he tells you how to get it, that you should earnestly contend for the faith. 
that was once delivered unto the saints. Y'all know what a contender is? It's a fighter. We know there's training involved in that. You earnestly contend means that you're just not you know, participating. As a runner, I'm not an earnest contender. I'm slow. I'm not a contender at all. I'm back of the pack. But with my faith, because if you need common salvation, he says be an earnest contender. That means, y'all ever seen Rocky? Right, the first one. Where he's just getting the hound kicked out of him. Just get, right? 1 Timothy 6.12 says what? Fight the good fight of faith. You know, it's only a good fight. A good fight don't last one round. Knocked out in the first round. Is that a good fight? No, you wasted your money on pay-per-view. And I hope you didn't fly to Vegas and buy tickets for the thing. A good fight is, man, it goes all how many ever rounds? 14, 15 rounds. Those guys are just like, poof. And it got blood everywhere and guts, and that guy got creamed and he got back up. That's a good fight, isn't it? You guess. If you're paying money for it, you want to see a good fight. Be an earnest contender means you've got to get in there. You're going to get bloody. You're going to get beat up. You're going to get knocked down. You just keep getting back up because I'm fighting for the faith, my faith. Because I live or die by my own faith. And if you don't fight for it, ain't nobody else going to. I'll come alongside of you and fight with you, but I can't do it for you. I'm not going to get in the ring. I could be in the corner. Really what it said, we saw that in 2 Corinthians 4, verse uh, 21 last week, or 23, that I can help you with your joy, but I don't have dominion over your faith. Which means I could stand in the corner and cheer you on, but I can't get in the ring with you because i got my own ring that I get in, but I can't get in your ring. You can't get in anybody else's ring. Oh, listen to that. I can't get in Kimmy's ring and she can't get in mine. I can't make her believe something. I can't take authority over her faith. Good uh, Hebrews of 12. Well, I don't know, Andrew. I don't be speaking that over me. We have to get bloody and it's a fight and nasty. I'm, I just don't believe that. I'm faith people. All right, whatever. So when you get, you know, you get that first sucker punch and he knocks you out, maybe you'll remember after the stars clear. Let's see what the Word says. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin that does easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So Jesus is the role model, wouldn't you say? How He did it is going to be how it happens for us. Because we're not above the Master. you all agree with that? Okay. Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame. You know what despising means? means it ain't worthy of your attention. The shame was not worthy of Jesus' attention. Why? Because he was in faith. All the junk that he went through wasn't even worthy of his attention. What was, he, what was he paying attention to? The joy that was set before him. He was paying attention to what happens on the other side of this fight. I get the big belt. Woo! The media tour. I get all the endorsements. Woo! And I'm the man. Mike Tyson ain't got nothing on me. 
You look at the end result. Look at the end. Don't even pay attention to the junk on the middle. He said, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him and that he endured. Oh, we don't like that word either, do we? He endured such a contradiction of sinners against himself. I mean, the whole planet was against him. But why, why would we do that? Why are we going to consider what he went through? Lest you be weary and faint in your own, that's the word suke, soul, your own mind and emotions. When you get weary, now you remember what Jesus did. He wasn't even worthy of his attention, the garbage, the shame that he was going through. Not even worthy of his attention. Well, he was looking at the other side of it. How I many you know Rocky was embarrassed there in the first couple rounds? He was embarrassed all the way up till the end. Well, we just wiped it. Yeah, I just wish I could wipe out verse 4. I don't even want to read it. Oh God, why does that have to be in there? You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And what's sin? Settling. Settling for less than riches, honor, and life. He said, you haven't resisted, against, you haven't resisted unto blood yet. He said, listen, when you're in the fight so bad that you got bloodied, now you can come talk to me that you... Re- well, you ain't got blo- physically bloody. Jesus got physically bloody in his fight, didn't he? He said, you ain't done that yet. It might seem like it, but you haven't. These little fights that we got, they're all in here between our ears. There ain't no blood being shed. He said, you ain't resisted unto blood yet. For what? For settle. You settle before you get the blood. Most of us do. We'll settle. Well, as soon as it really starts getting tough, man, we ain't even been in a fight yet. That's what he's saying. You ain't in a fight yet. Wow. It's right there in the Word. It's going to be a bloody mess. Do you know what's good about it? You win. All right. Be like, oh, I don't know. Back up a page to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 and verse 38 says this. Now the just shall live by faith. That's your, that's, he's quoting this right here. Just to live by your own faith. It's your own faith that you'll live by. He said, but if any man draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we're not of them who draw back under perdition or destruction. We're not them, no. But we're of them that believe to the saving of the soul. That's your mind, your emotions, and your will. In order for you to be that in that believe spot and rest, you've got to rescue your mind and your emotions from all that junk that you're, they're, going to, they're going to tell you, no, it's going south, where's your evil list? Your mind and emotions will immediately take you to the evil list. That's why we've got to get back to thoughts, imaginations, and stronghold, building Ford Apache around the Logos word so that that can become Rhema. Not going to happen. You just come in here on Friday nights and Sunday mornings or just Sunday mornings or just Friday nights. Not going to happen. That's why we put it on the web for free. And I'll do CDs for free. Anybody wants them. Even if you just got one CD from this church. Not saying that we're so great. We just let God do His thing. There's more in one CD, more logos preached in one CD than you'll probably get in a, in a month of Sundays anywhere else. So even if you only got one, play that one until you can build Ford Apache around. Whatever that CD is, your life will get better. I promise. It ain't going to do you any good if it's just sitting in the CD player. You've got to play it and actually listen to it and pay attention. Now, go to Romans 3. See, because he said, we're not of those that draw back, but how many know we've drawn back? 
if I've drawn back. Don't y'all look at me like, oh no, I've never. Andrew, you've drawn back? I've never. Yeah, okay. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Romans 3 and verse 3. So what if we did? So what? He says this. For what if some did not believe? What if some did draw back? Well, that don't work. I know that's a word, but in my experience, you ever heard that? I appreciate what you're saying. But in my experience, that doesn't work. I believed God before and He never showed up. Anybody ever said that? Yeah. He said, but what if some of them didn't believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. So if you tell me, well, I believe God and it didn't work. That stuff don't work. What should I tell you? What should I tell you? Liar. Because if you're not, that makes God. Do you know my body will lie to me all the time? My checkbook will lie to me all the time. People lie to me all the time. The one person that will never, ever lie to you is who? God. Get in the logos. Make it an imagination. Build Ford Apache around that thing and get up there and stand watch until Rhema comes and then make whatever correction he tells you to make and then we're giddy up. He said, For it is written that you would be justified in your sayings, that's the words out of your mouth, and you would overcome, that's the word dominate. You would dominate when you are judged. Oh, judge me, God. Because if I really believe it and I don't draw back, give me the winning judgment, baby. Woo! Over here. Because that's what it says when you'll overcome. You'll dominate. How does that happen, Andrew? Well, what's the process for that? Go to Matthew 12. We're on one rabbit trail after another, ain't we? Matthew 12. Let's go to verse 34. Jesus talking to the Pharisees. Oh, generation of vipers, snakes. <clears throat> I thought Jesus was nice. Brother Love and his toga and his Birkenstocks. Oh, brother. Didn't sound too nice to me, did it? Did that sound nice to you? What up, snakes? How can you, being evil, speak good things? You all have your good and evil list. Do we need to read them again? Evil, adversity, affliction, calamity, worry, grief, harm, heaviness, right? trouble, wrong, sorrow, ill favor, can't stand you. He says, you, you living like that? How can you even speak good things? Good, beauty, bounty, better, the best, at ease, ready, sweet. Health and prosperity, riches and honor, right? That's a list. He said, how could you talk about good when your whole life is evil? It's hard to. He's not throwing rocks at them. 
You know, when you're in the middle of all the evil list, it's hard to say something good. Really hard. Now you've got to decide, am I going to be an earnest contender for my faith? Or will I roll over and just let this evil list overtake me? Will I let adversity overtake me? Will I let calamity and sickness and lack? Will I let that? Am I going to roll over? Will I be an earnest contender? What was that Rocky Four with Drago or whatever? Right? The Russian? He's like 6'10 and a bazillion pounds. Heavy. I mean, Rocky's this little teeny midget nigga. Right? And that guy would swat at him and look like he'd go flying across the ring. What are you going to do? You going to get back there and be an earnest contender? Or are you just going to, you know, oh, never mind, throw in the towel? He said, so how are you, snakes, being evil? Speak good things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We all know that, but you don't really practice it, really, because if you spend five minutes with me, and any, you, could, any, you go any, any co-worker that you have, any person that you meet on the street, within five minutes, they will start telling you exactly what's in their heart, because it will come out them, and they'll locate themselves, and it's usually the evil list. And if you start talk, and if you run into somebody talking the good list, you'd be like, "Whoa!" Yeah. Immediately, and you hook up with them. Right. Be shocked. And if you start doing the good list and all they want is evil, they'll cut the conversation off short. Yeah. You don't have to cut them off; just start talking good. They'll be out of there in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. You don't have to. I don't want to hear that. No, let me just tell you all the good stuff in my life. They'll be like, "I got to go find somebody worse off than me because that thing might make me feel better." Your life's good. I don't want to hear that. Right? That's why we have all these TV shows, all the drama, because we like watching it because somebody else's life is worse than ours. <laughs> verse 35, it says, A good man, who that's a man with beauty, bounty, better, the best, at ease, ready, sweet. Out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things. But an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. Now, how do you bring it out? He just said, by your mouth. Now, watch this. Verse 36. It's Jesus talking. It's in red. must be true. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Now, I've heard some kooky teaching on that. Oh, you can't say gosh and doggone and golly, because that's every idle word. You know you're going to give an account for that in today's judgment. You'll be standing there at the white throne, and God is going to play back every time you said, beep, 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 beep. And now what are you going to do? Does that have anything to do with what Jesus was just talking about? Day of judgment is coming. When that bill came and you said, son of a... Now you're in trouble. Well, if that's true, then what Jesus did didn't work because it said He paid for every sin and washed it away. Right? It's gone. So it can't be talking about that or else the rest of the Bible ain't true. He said He threw it in the sea of forgetfulness. It's gone. Isn't it? So it can't be that. What's He talking about? The word Idle words mean non-working words or words that don't produce for you on the good list. Because He's talking about good list an evil list. He's talking about good treasure and evil treasure. I mean, you know, there's some people they treasure adversity and calamity. 
and grief. They treasure it. They, they set up Fort Apache around their little adversity, their grief, their harm, right? and they hold on to it. Those aren't working words. They're not work. How's that working for you? This is how you know if it's a working word or not. Whatever you're saying, how's that working for you? If it's not too good, then he says you're going to give an account or you will pay a price. It actually says in the Greek. Just take the word give account, just circle it, cross it out and put this. Pay a price. Not give account, you're going to pay a price. It says in the day of judgment. When I looked at that, I'm like, you know what, God, I don't get this. The day of judgment, why? What? So I looked it up in the Greek and it's still, you know, it says, you know, a trial and all right, whatever. But then I actually looked at the Greek word. Now I'm going to spell to you what the Greek word is. We've done this before. Take your pen and write this down. I'm going to spell it to you and then watch how this verse makes sense. Here's the Greek word. K-R-I-S-I-S. What is that word? Now, you're, in, you're in earnestly contending for your faith. Whatever the vision is. The rhema. You've got to get in there and you fight for it. Don't presume. Don't go out on your own and take liberties. No, I'm going to fight for my faith. I got that. Man, it took me a long time to get the spark and the kindle. Now I got the thing kindled. It's going. I'm feeding the fire. In the day of crisis, you will pay a price for whatever comes out of your mouth. I mean, the price I want to pay is off the good treasure list. I don't want to be paying for evil treasure. I don't even want to give that away. Give it to your favorite charity. No, I'm not giving adversity or affliction to my favorite charity. <laughs> so you see how this whole thing... I mean, it all builds on we got the good and evil list. And we start having this love relationship with God through worship. And now we're at, what do we do here? Now I'm getting rain. I understand the formula and all and how I go through the steps and how I stand watch. Now I got it. Now I'm making... When you're in the fight, you better watch what you're saying. Because you will pay a price for every non-working word in the day of crisis. I mean, you don't want, I don't want to wait till it hits the fan before now I'm scrambling around and what am I going to say? That's why, this is why I say nip it in the bud. We Barney Fife stuff around here. Nip it, nip it, nip it. Rule one, nip it. Rule two, obey rule one. Whatever's in your body, if you, the first symptom that comes up, we nip it. I don't start saying the evil list. I start saying, now the good list. By Jesus' stripes, you've already been healed. Not you're going to be. You know, this week I saw an interview with this guy. He's a mega church out in California. If I said the name, you'd know. Best-selling author. His wife got cancer last year. He said in this interview, well, it became real obvious after hundreds of thousands of people were praying for her that God wasn't going to heal her. Guess what? God's not going to do one more thing for her or you. He did it already. Jesus did it 2,000 years ago. It's already done. Not He isn't going to or He's going to. I was talking to another guy this week. He was helping out a, a guy who's you know talking trash, I mean just fear and the evil list. And so he taught him supposedly some principles of the Word of faith. And so the guy, his, now a couple months, his life's really good. Got this you know six-figure year job. His family's got to get... And you know what that guy said out of his mouth? He said, well, I told God, what about me? When are, you going to do, when are you going to hook me up? I taught him. What about me? God's not going to do one more thing for you either. It's already done. Jesus became poor so that you would be rich. He's not going to become poor again. He's not. It's already done. Until you come to the realization that 
hey, it's already done, God's not going to do one more thing for me? If you think He's going to, why isn't God going to do something for me? No, He already did it. When was, when was it all done? The works were finished before when? Foundation of the world. It's already done. He's not going to do anything. So will you play, oh God, help me do this. No. Here's the process. It's already done. Now you've got to actually think about it. Imagine that it's already done. Build Ford Apache around it's already done. Get Rhema. What do I do to hook up with you to get it to me that it shows up in my life and then get in the fight and get bloody? And on the way, we ain't saying the evil list. On the way, no, we say good. Because I'm not going, I don't want to have to, in the day of crisis, pay up because of all the junk that was coming out of my mouth. This is faith. Do we know this? Yeah, we probably know it. Are we doing it? Some, not some. I'm the same way. Why? Because human beings, that's what we do. We forget it in a heartbeat. Because what happens is our mind is one track. As soon as we get off this track, we'll go home and get it on another track. Usually it's like lunch. Where are we going to eat? <laughs> then from there we get on another track. Then we're down here. By, by Tuesday morning, you have forgotten all about this one over here until next Sunday. Or maybe Friday. The few that, you know. But you got to get on out. It's there for you. It's available. Keep driving it and driving it. This is, you know what this is like, because the just, where's that? There it is right there. The just, the righteous, those in covenant shall live by his or her own faith. It's your own faith. That you will live or die. Is there anything more important than that to you, really? So you don't even believe this, because if we did, we wouldn't go from this track on Sunday and then wait to all this till we get back around to Sunday again. You've got to eat, drink, sleep, breathe, poop the covenant. It should be so much in you that it's excreting from you. If it's not, it will not help you. It will frustrate you. Because we will draw back. We're human beings. We all do it. There's no ju- I'm not judging you. I do the same thing. That's why we press in more and press in more. If you've got a hard week, you better spend more time in this. If you've got busy stuff coming up, more time in this. Because what will happen is you'll presume and jump out there and you'll try to take some principles that you heard over the last couple years or dozen years and then you'll presume and take it upon yourself and take liberties to jump out there on your quote faith and then it won't work. Because we didn't take the time to find out what, what's my next step. That's why he says he's a guide. Step by step by step. I'll guide you. I'll lead you. Remember meekness? What it is is it's teachable and it's teach me the next step, the next step, the next step. That's what's so simple about the life in Christ that I was talking about. It's one step. You don't have to know ten steps. You don't have to know fifty steps. You don't have to know the way. All you have to know is the next one. Hallelujah! What's the next one? You know? Macarena? You don't have to know the whole dance. He'll give you one at a time. It's funny, but it's not. I mean, you know, that's what we, we, we want to know the whole thing. Relax. You may, when you have to know the whole thing, I just got to know. You're presuming. You're taking a, a liberty that's not yours to have. Because we saw on Friday night, God tells Moses right on the front end, you go talk to Pharaoh, and I am sure that this is not going to work. If God told you He was sure this isn't going to work, guess what? We ain't going to do it. 
Not in this culture. Well, that's a waste of time, God. If it don't work, why would I waste my time doing it? Because He said. If He said do it, okay. How many of you when he told me to run for Congress down here as a Democrat in the most Republican district in the country, I mean, deep down on the inside, I knew that wasn't going to work. I was like, this ain't going to work. Were you not in faith? No, I was in faith because I did what he told me to do. Did it work? Ask yourself, did it work? How's it working out for you? I could be in Washington right now. Where would you be this morning? It worked fine, didn't it? Didn't look like it on the front end. Looks good on the back end. See, that's how it is with faith. All right? Help anybody this morning? Help me. Giddy up. We're just starting. I didn't even get to you know where I wanted. The really the jumping off scripture is go to a couple more. I think it's like the last one I got on there. Julie, you got it? Yeah. Yeah. Next one. There. There's the. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. We didn't even get there. That's the beginning of faith. We didn't even get there yet, but we will. Don't worry about it. Stand to your feet with me. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. Seal it in our hearts. Holy Spirit, come alongside us this week and bring it back to our remembrance. Help us to keep on that one-track mind. Hallelujah. And I give You praise for all the good that You do in our lives. Father, help us to realize it and acknowledge it and see it. Mm, thank You. Help us to sing our new song and realize all the good stuff that's happening and know that You are working for us. Hallelujah. I thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen.